Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. All righty. If you've clicked on this podcast episode at this point, (laughs) you are one of the true and faithful because (laughs) I've given you every reason to forget about the Finding Backcountry podcast. And yet here we are. It is 1030 at night. I just cracked open my second monster this evening (laughs) of the day. And, you know, it's just there's never a good time to jump back on the podcast. And so here I am. I just took five, ten minutes to spew some notes, some general talking points and want to get back in the groove so you guys know the drill uh nothing crazy to start with or open with and uh spoiler don't have a guest at least not yet may get a may have a guest call here in a bit see if uh, they free up or not but until then and possibly the whole episode here short and sweet might just be be me rattling off and talking to myself here in my hunting room. So, oh man, that being said, how you guys been doing? I hope you guys have drawn a bunch of tags and have hunt plans and you've, you know, a few of you have (laughs) messaged me even not just good tags, but crazy tags, you know, sheep once in a lifetime, sheep tags and epic mule deer tags uh or elk tags and mule deer tags and so that's awesome um my tags have gone about like last year and if you remember i believe i went over 27 or over 37 i don't know it was a big number though oh for something last year had to scrape and claw and weasel my way into the leftovers and it served <laughs> not complaining it served me well but um yeah so didn't draw any tags though last year so far i'll be honest i've drawn one tag i'm like probably one for 20 at this point or one for 30 again and it's nothing to speak of really unless you're jason carter and you're a antelope nut because it's a muzzleloader antelope tag and i won't even bore you with which state and where it's at but that'll be fun um so that's it other than that just general general deer and and that's good right i'm gonna i'm gonna actually step aside here and call my guest because i just got word that he is free and will pick up where I left off here with my yes. Welcome to the Finding Backcountry podcast. Oh boy, You're, you just walked into a hot mic. <laughs> oh boy, 
Sir, can you tell us the top three ways to kill a 200-inch mule deer? <laughs> uh, draw tag in the right unit. Draw tag in the right unit, okay. Have a lot of time. A lot of time, okay. 0 for 2, go ahead. And... Hire a guide. Yeah, just hire a freaking guide. <laughs> oh, or, man. Go, or go back about, you know five five years yeah or yeah 10. we we're never we're never at listen we're never ever going to have like the heyday of mule deer again i don't believe right and but we do have these little blips right where we have these like one or two year little blips and i think that's what's going to happen going forward right it's like these little moments in time again a year two years this might be one of them right with all the you know moisture and stuff you guys are having down south but yeah and man when you have those years you have to jump on it right like yeah you, so does everyone else and then drawn odds, yeah drawn odds are even worse than they already were man we got kicked square in the you know what's this year we went into at least one draw where we thought oh man like we've got this you know based on last year or whatever depending on how many tags they end up allocating we thought and there was in this instance i won't even say but jason and i if you couldn't pick that up this is my brother jason i don't have <laughs> i don't have a fancy guest or whatever but jason has killed some oh, thanks deer. <clears throat> you've killed some 200 inch deer you're pretty fancy to me i've killed one really just one, yeah, the big one. A couple of no, babies. Yeah, the other one was just short of that. Yeah. But. Um. Well, you've helped kill a couple more, at least, right? One or two more guiding. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. So we put in for this specific tag somewhere in the West, and we had X number of points, <laughs> and we thought, oh, we should be good. And with the amount of people jumping in or whatever happened, <clears throat> there was, it was a preference point type draw. So there was nine people who put in with the amount of points that we had. And there was six tags allocated in that point pool, right? In other words, six of the nine people that applied drew and three of those nine didn't. Guess, guess who two or the two, two of the, the three, three were? <laughs> That's like we should have been awarded something. It's like the Keno thing where you don't pick all the right numbers. Like that's pretty impressive for two brothers to not be yeah. two out of nine that didn't two out of three that yeah. didn't draw. I looked at those statistics and I was just looking and I started thinking, I'm like, Wait you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> it was like we're two of those three people. <laughs> oh, like man. So we had like a 33% chance of not drawing like each, but together, you know, yeah. odds of one of us drawing was probably like 90% or something. Yeah. My and... sister-in-law is like a college math whiz professor and I'm going to make her run the statistics because I'm too stupid to run those. Like what are the chances of two people back to back not drawing, right? That's yeah. it's. It's thousands. probably at yeah. least, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, talk about all the tags you have this year. <laughs> all right, it's going to be short and sweet. <laughs> I've got uh, an Arizona. Oh yeah, late 
late archery elk hunt in November. I always forget about that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I try to, but um, it's like it's like one of the best units in Arizona. So from what I've heard, it sounds like finding like a three fifty type bull isn't going to be the problem. Yeah. The problem is the unit is super steep and thick and it's just nasty and it's hard, it's hard to stock in on them. But the way I look at it is I don't, I can't, I can't see any scenario where stocking in on a bull elk, even if it's especially late season is any harder than stocking in on a big buck. No, no. Especially during the summer, a big buck generally has other bucks with him which makes it you know way harder and then you know they're just their senses are better their hearing I th- their nose is better i think their eyesight you know is probably about the same but and they move around more elk during november they don't move they just sit there if the weather's nice they're just up feeding all day in the same spot yeah. and a lot of times a big bull is by himself or you know, there might be other bulls kind of in the vicinity, but they're not really together. Yeah, they they just are on a different sensory level. You know, they like those yeah, big they bulls just don't just, care. They just don't care, man. <laughs> like they're just another level tuned out than a mule deer. <clears throat> the downside is if you spook them, you know, I think they're a little more finicky than deer. Like early season deer, it, it might take longer for them to come back. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. It should be fun. Yeah, we've only ever, I mean, that late season bull I killed last year in Nevada is really the only late season, trying to think, you know, a few like cow hunts and stupid stuff up here every once in a while. But, I mean, I think that bull was going to keep doing the same pattern thing, you know, every day that he was just in his little pocket there out on the edge of a burn and you know, he's going back and forth and living his life and he would have probably done that all winter, you know? Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Find one and, you know, and then just stalking them like a big, big overgrown mule deer, but. Hmm. Yeah. And I should, should have, I think Floyd is going to come along and at least help spot because it seems like that's kind of, one of the hardest things is just kind of keeping track of them. So you kind of need a spotter to kind of help guide you in or whatever. But yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I mean, I got quite a few hunts to guide that should be pretty fun. Some actually some really good hunts to guide. So it's going to be, yeah, going to be fun, but should be a good year, at least down here. Yeah, what a depressing year, though. Like, man, of all the, like, you know, people and the bonus point thing, it's, you know, oh, burn them, burn them, burn them. And I'm that guy, right? I'm that guy. I'm like, burn them. Like, use them. Every year you get a chance, use them. Well, I learned a valuable lesson this year, and there there was a couple, you know, a state like Colorado, I don't think matters right i do believe in colorado you burn them burn them burn them because a wet year (laughs) compared to a dry year not much different especially for the high country hunts that we're going on usually 
um, or even the, you know, the rut hunts, whatever it don't, it doesn't really matter at that point how, and so, you know, and any given unit in Colorado can be just as good turning up a big buck as the net, you know, all the things, right? Like they're just not as affected by poor moisture years over there. Um, I mean, I killed that big buck in 2020 and I think that was still, that was right in the heart of a drought, right? Like, so, I mean. Yeah, 2020, 21. Yeah. So, Colorado, I still think burn them, burn them, burn them. But I learned a valuable lesson in Utah this year because I would have, like, I was almost to the point of, like, where can I find a landowner tag and how much is this going to cost me? Because how can you <laughs> not be hunting somewhere south, you know, in the south, southern half of the U.S. this year? If you're a mule deer, big trophy mule deer guy, right? And like, here I am with nothing. I got nothing. I have an antelope tag (laughs) somewhere. (laughs) And so, you know, like if I would have had like just our example, you know, that, that application was somewhere in that vicinity, you know, and, um, man, like if I would have had one more point or, you know, two more points and you can you know, force the draw. And so there, I learned a lesson, man, there is a time to, you know, keep that, that point equity sitting there for the right time to strike, you know, especially, especially if you're looking for something special, if you're just looking for a good time, looking for a hunt or looking for, you know, 164 point frick, you know, most of these hunts any given year, doesn't matter the drought or not, you might find that, but like, you know, they're going to pull some special bucks out of the, out of the Southwest region this year. And like, I won't be one of them. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> it won't be me. Well, let's uh, pick up the leftover. Yeah. There's always the leftovers and turnbacks and stuff. And it's always, I love it. Like it's all I live for. Right. But it's stressful. And on the keep- Nevada first come first serve is going to be tough this year for yeah, non-residents you might as well they, not even you know what i mean like you might as well not even do it i'm i'm really doubting whether there'll be enough tags to even motivate me to sit on there you know like oh, i mean like 90 non-resident like you know for example like unit 241 down here what is there like, two i think there's two archery tags they give out yeah. And I already know who has one of them because it's uh, the guy we're going to guide. <laughs> and yeah, he ain't, so, so he's not turning it back. And the other guy, I doubt whoever that is, is not going to turn it back. So you'd have to, you know, have to have get a, one of those. Yeah, you'd have to be a complete, you'd have to have some serious, like, issues, life issues <laughs> to turn a tag down there back this year, you know. And then yeah. you cut it 80, 90% out of the, you know, for the non residents because you can't get a resident i wonder how hard that i guess a a resident tag just won't even appear for me right as a non-resident so yeah because when you on the nevada page when you go to log in to the first come first serve you have to select Select. resident or non-resident and so i'm sure it'll filter them out at that point well, I wondered the first year that they had it, I wondered if that's why they were asking that, but it's not. It was just so they knew what to charge you. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. they were all, all the tags were going into a lump pool, right? Which I don't know. I still, 
I mean, it's one of those, like, here's, here's, if I say any more, then guys are going to be like, oh, the Wyoming guy, you know, you guys screw non-residents hard, you know, worse than anyone in the, you know, 90-10 split that you guys want to go to. And, you know, I get it. Like, you take care of your own. And so that's what Nevada's doing. And they, you know, I'm sure they took some heat and they, guys were sick of me pulling all their, all their resident first come, first serve tags. And so they Which, threw a fit and forgive I mean, for who, them. Like, who knows? Like the elk tag you picked up, that could have been a non-res. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But, who knows? but it, I mean, no doubt it's going to. Odds are. No. Yeah. Listen, with as hard as that is, you know, the, the chances of that, that elk, speaking of long shots, the chances of that elk tag lining up the way that it did, right? Where you can't have multiple pages open and you, you know, whatever. Once you put something in your cart, you're stuck with for seven days and all the changes, like the chances of that lining up the way it did now, again, take 80 or 90% of the tags that I didn't see out of the equation anyway. And, you know, it's just whatever, like, you know, you better be in a, you know, you better either be a resident or be patient because it's going to be different. But anyway, that's all right, man. I listen boohoo for me right because i've got a general wyoming deer tag that i can <laughs> region g region h and- yeah and a general elk but i you know i went and hunted that general elk hunt it's pretty what, good two years ago and we saw like <laughs> a couple three couple three thirties <laughs> one that was probably pushing 350 like yeah. a seven by six and yeah i feel real bad for you <laughs> um <laughs> Listen, and I'll come out and say it right now, okay? There are guys, a handful of guys, uh, my buddy Scott over at Eastman's, a couple guys, like, and I don't want to throw Scott under the bus because I don't, I don't know this for sure, but I think he said that he, or mentioned that he had a draw tag or something. So, Scott, I don't know if, if it's, like, totally, you know, pure what you're saying or doing, but, like, there's guys like him that are like, dude, I'm not hunting G&H this year because of the winter kill, right? Like they're taking the high road and like, you know, to each their own, first of all, but like, that's not at all, you know, we can get into this if, if we want, but like, I'll be hunting. Now I feel completely fine walking into a unit that's gotten hammered, right? Potential 70, 80, 90, whatever it is you know, adult die off from the winter in certain, you know, micro areas that, that feed into those regions. But I got no problem, man. And here's why. And this is my whole thesis for my whole outlook on hunting lately is I'm a trophy hunter. And so if there's, you know, a thousand, hundred thousand deer or five deer on the landscape, I'm still just after, the unicorn, the diamond in the rough, like the, the one that I'm not going to find anyway, kind of right. Like not, I'm not on Jason Carter level or anything, but you know, you just have to look at a lot less deer that are going to tempt you. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean that, that's the punchline of this year is if you're, we'll see. In fact, we'll see who the, who the real, you know, who's really can walk the walk and talk the talk. Cause like it, you're going to not see many deer. And when you do, and you see that one sixty eight, 
four point and you're like you know frick like i came in here for a 180 like but i haven't i've seen one and a half deer you know and like that's the one like we'll see we'll see who's really got it and who doesn't i got and again i ain't scared to see no deer because i haven't filled a tag up here in three years or whatever right or four years or 10 years or whatever the heck it's been like you know i'm just used to eating tags anymore that which sucks and is not a good place to be but anyway um yeah i got no problem going in and hunting man like i'm gonna go hunt and i'm gonna you know like dead deer no deer all the deer because again i'm not the guy that's in there you know tipping three and a half year olds over or two and a half year olds over and again this it trickles into my thesis of you know, the beautiful thing about trophy hunting is that it would fix all our problems. And I don't mean trophy hunting, like the negative connotative, like, you know, the anti hunters use trophy hunting. I mean, like what we all understand within the hunting world, selective hunting, selective hunting and having some self-control and like setting some standards for yourself. Let me, let me preface, right to each their own again, right? If you're the 14 year old kid, that's just getting into hunting, man, like cut loose, bro. Like tip the two point, like whatever floats your boat, that's the answer. But I also believe that there should be a progression for hunters. And, you know, if you've killed seven, three and a half year old deer, you know, and you've shot the last deer you shot, you told yourself, that's a mature buck and he's three and a half year old four point. Right. And he's just a mature buck. Cause he's a four point. Like you were kind of like me, you know, 12 years ago or 10 years ago, whatever, like you're lying to yourself and you know it, right. You just, you just can't not do it. And so, um, I'm going to start a brand around this. Like I'm so, <laughs> I'm so passionate about this principle because, and this is why, right. The, the brand thing, maybe, and I'll, I'll get everyone's opinion. I would love everyone's opinion on this, but <clears throat> like a trophy, you know, resurrect a trophy hunter brand. But, but here's the, the real thing, right? You, if, if there were more people that trophy hunted, and again, I'm not delirious and I don't believe everyone should be a trophy hunter, but if there were more, and again, we're talking about that middle you know, 10, 15, 20, 30% of guys who are just like I described, right? They, they're there, they've hunted for, you know, 15 years, or they've killed seven, eight, 10, 12 deer. And they're to the point where they're like, you know, like you feel like, okay, like I know I can go out and kill a 160 every year. Cause I could, right, Jason? Like I could go kill a 160 every year. I would put my life savings on it. Right. Yeah. Like I could go kill a 160 every year at this point, especially on like a rifle hunt, right? Archery, that's just tough in and of itself. But like I go find a 160 to hunt anyway. And so if you're that guy, we're just talking that 10, 15, 20, 30% of guys that like are on the fence, you know, like maybe, maybe you just, um, maybe you don't, right? Like maybe you don't. And, and all that means is that a couple things. Fishing game can now issue more tags because kill success rates went down, 
right? So their their numbers boost up. They say, hey, we can issue 10, 20, 30, 40% more tags or whatever the heck it is, which puts yeah. more money in their pocket, right? That's all they care about and need, which is which is what it is, right? Let's put more tags that we can allocate. Draw odds get better because now there's more tags, right? Because guys are tagging out less, more revenue, more tags, better draw odds. Guess what? There's more, it, it's like a, it's a, uh, you know, there's more deer too. By not shooting deer, we're putting more deer. It's the only way that I can logically think of to put more deer on the landscape, so to speak. And bigger by, deer. And bigger deer, right? Just by nature, you're going to get bigger deer. The closest thing that, that exists with this, and I'll fight guys on this tooth and nail, is like a four-point restriction or a three-point restriction or whatever, right? And I'm all for it. Like, I think that at the root, we should all just have these this principle, you know, like like if you're that guy, you should just jump and just make the decision, Right. And be willing to eat the tag and to, and not shoot the deer on the. I've been here, and I'm not the pot. I'm the pot calling the kettle black. I've been that guy. The last one that I can remember is when. Remember when we went to New Mexico, Jason? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that poor deer, like he had no business getting shot by me. But it was it was stressful because this was a this was one of the better units right and 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 last day and you couldn't handle it it was the last day and it was like four it was only a five-day hunt right so it wasn't like oh i could just quit my job and stay another week no it was a five-day hunt like they do down there and this thing we had seen it once or twice before we looked you know in between day one and day killing him like we looked everywhere did everything we could yada 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 never turned one up and like i should have walked away and I learned my lesson because later that evening, one of our friends that helped us saw a nice 170-something-inch <laughs> four-point right off the freaking road. But, like, I couldn't take it. I could not take it. And I knew, oh, I was sick. Like, I knew in my gut, like, what am I doing? Like, And all of a sudden, you're just, like, down pulling the trigger, right? And he's dead, and you're like, oh, oh. like I got it off my chest, you know? It, it was so dumb. So if you're that guy... You're going to put more deer on the landscape. You're going to grow bigger deer. Everybody, there's more tags to go around. The fishing game gets more more money. It's just, I can't think of a bad thing other than like, you know, people are going to have to change their principles a little bit on you know, where they're at. Like, Yeah, like uh, Robbie Denning said, if you uh, if you need the meat, then go get a freaking cow elk tag. Shoot a cow the elk, elk or not. Yeah, elk are not struggling anywhere that I that's, know of. That's going to be my second hat is save a deer, shoot cow elk. Yeah. Okay. Like that's, <clears throat> that's what cow elk are for. My first hat is going to be the signature series, <clears throat> excuse me, signature series trophy hunter hat, which is you can't mount the meat. <laughs> you can't eat the horns everyone loves to say but guess what you can't mount the meat either and so let's all have a little more self-control here's here's the here's the sidebar to all this that nobody wants to talk about and nobody i mean people talk about it but nobody wants to hear it quit killing for content oh gosh like you know who you are and i doubt you're listening but man like if you're taking money because 
you're sponsored and they tell you, you know, oh, we, you know, you have an assumption that you need to kill something on your, or if just you in your head think <laughs> that you have to kill something to put it on a YouTube video to put on and, you know, to get your $72 check from YouTube or whatever the heck you're getting, like you're killing for content. If you're, I mean, the obvious one is like, if you have a brand or you own a business and you're in the, and you are in the business of telling people that they need to kill or have to kill. You're just trying to sell product and that's killing for dollars. That's even worse than killing for content, right? Cause you're just skipping the middleman. You're just killing for dollars. It's not true. You don't need to do it. And if, the last thing I'll say on that is if you can't make a film or your short film or your, you know, whatever it is, the full draw film tour, whatever, if you, if you can't make a film that has a good enough story without the kill, then you are doing it wrong. Like you're, do, you're in it for the wrong reason or you don't have good storytelling skills. If it's just the kill scene that makes or breaks the whole deal for you, like you're the problem. Yeah. You're the problem. I said it. Yeah. I've, um, like one of my favorite shows to watch. Well, it's like one of the only ones I ever watch is Western Hunter. Western Hunter and, uh, man. I've seen a lot of episodes in the last couple of years where they're unsuccessful and you're, you're you don't get to the end. And you're like, well, that was stupid. You're like, well, that's like, that's real. Yeah. Like, Oh man, I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of all these, you know, I'd rather watch them go home empty handed than, you know, Shoot hammering a, a forky, <laughs> forky on the last day, just for a, you know, Utah highlight reel, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's anyway, a, that's it's my rant. All... Listen, if you listen to this and you had feelings in your heart arise or in your body somewhere, and you know feelings were churning and you were you were whether you're feeling good about it or whether you're feeling a little anxiety about it i don't know whether you feel like like man i hate what he's saying but he might be onto something or whatever like let me know or if you're just completely against it let me know do i need to start the trophy hunter brand with the the tagline can't mount the meat and we run with it and it's like a movement right and it's and we partner with you know these the the western hunters of the world and the um the muley matters movement with epic right like like these are our people that are doing it right and have the right mentality um and and are pushing the grassroots movement of this whole deal right and so you know let me know let me know Maybe we do like a, like a crowd, a crowd funding where everyone's like, you know, a 1% owner or something. And we just like blow this thing to the moon. Like, I don't know. Let's get, let's get crazy. A pyramid scheme. Yeah. Yeah. A pyramid scheme. MLM. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. For, let's get weird for the deer. You know what I'm saying? I'm drinking one and a half monsters today it's 11 o'clock at night i was literally just gonna ask you i'm like how many monsters um, you got today? you're on one dude i had like a ton of orders come in today for the backpack food business right hashtag backpack logistics look into it if you haven't 
But like I, I just had to, like I had to crack a second one after work tonight because I had to get all these orders <laughs> boxed up and like I am lit. So yeah, it's about to start getting busy with that. No, really it already here. It already has uh, been, man. Like it's. Uh, I know it's. Yeah, it's yeah. just gonna get more and more. Yeah. June, July, July is probably July yeah. and August are probably the two busiest <clears throat> months. Maybe September. Yeah, and I'll I'll make a post about this, but depending on when I get this out, um, Jason's going to be my new podcast editor, I think, so hopefully a little sooner. But <laughs> um, if you order between, like, July 1st, basically, and July 7th or 8th, uh, it's going to be delayed shipping because I am leaving town, shutting down shop for 4th of July, so... Uh, man, we'll get all the orders in as soon as we get back, you know, probably that eighth, ninth, 10th range, you'll, you'll get your order, but, um, you know, maybe, maybe we won't even get this podcast out till after that, but I'll make a big post about it anyway. So yeah. Uh, back, if you don't know what we're talking about, man, backpack logistics, the, you know, the elevator pitch on that is it's, it's freaking awesome. It's a place where, you know, if you're ever going on a backpack trip, scouting trip, fishing trip, you know, an actual hunt, uh, whatever. Um, heck I've got some local, uh, church youth groups that are going on like a backpack trip using it. Uh, and you've scrambled with the food side of it, or you didn't have, you don't <laughs> want to make the time to go to Walmart and get all the stuff and divvy it up, or you, um, don't know what to get, right. Or you don't know where to get the right backpack stuff. You're new to it. Or you're wondering, God, what do you eat for lunch? What do you do for snacks? Check out Backpack Logistics, man. This business that Jason and I made, and it's just an awesome shopping experience where you go online and you pick out a full day's worth of food. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, extras, uh, energy, you know, wilderness athlete, mountain ops, all the stuff. And then monster, monster energy. <laughs> we got white monsters. We got white there. monsters on there, man. Yeah. Like, what more do you want? But we box up your whole day of, or we bag up your whole day of food into a one-gallon uh, resealable sealed Ziploc-type bag. And so it shows up, label on the outside of what's inside, and we're even now putting the calories and the weight of that day's worth of food. It shows up three, four, five days with shipping, and you're ready to go hike. So as long as you give it like a solid week before you're leaving, you know, and there's no major holidays or whatever like is coming up, you know, you'll get it in four, five, six days and boom, your food's taken care of and you're hunting and it's basically the cost that you would pay to go buy all the stuff anyway. So pretty sweet. Yeah. And one of, honestly, like the, you know, the obvious way to use it is like for backpacking trips and stuff. Um, I love to use it for just day hunts, like, um, like from the truck. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be guiding and, it's a pain to gather food up for the day. Like you have to grab like a couple, you know, granola bars and you're just kind of scrambling oh, like every, mor uh, yeah, every morning at camp. Here's what an outfitter camp looks like. Usually is they have one table in their mess tent and it's just freaking Loaded snacks and crap and all this stuff everywhere. And it's like every morning you wake up and you're like, Oh gosh. And I got to throw, you know, seven things in my backpack <laughs> or whatever. This would eliminate all that. Yep. So yeah, you have a uh, like half gallon bags, right? And yeah, we if you're, we if you're not doing a 
either, freeze-dried dinner. Yeah, either way, we just we shrink it to fit, right? So we'll cut off whatever's left over. So it's always, you know, the best size for whatever you order. Horse horse hunt guys love it too. You know, like like truck hunters like Jason Saint or day hunters and and horse guys, they usually have like an epic dinner, right? They they're back at camp. They have plenty of time in the evening, especially later in the year. But what they don't have is that stuff like the breakfast and the lunch and the snacks, right? That's the chaos. And so yeah. you just build a day's worth of food and leave your dinner as none. You do whatever you want, you know, mazel tov your, you know, Dutch oven and all your chicken <laughs> and stuff, right? But then now you've got these little, you know, think of just like a half gallon, like Jason said, like boop, ready to go. You throw one in for the next day. You know what's in there, how many calories, da, 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 da. you ordered it and yep. you're off running. So, yeah, I, yeah, I love it. I love using that with clients too. I just, it makes it super easy for yeah. them. Just grab yeah. a bag and go. Listen, if you, if you're a guide, an outfitter, have an outfitter business or something like that, like give me, give me a slide into my DMs, you know what I'm saying? And we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll work a deal, you know, we'll get a little better pricing for, a, you know, if you're doing, you got five, 10, 15, 20, 30, yeah. 70 days worth of, you know, those type of hunts, we can, we can do something. So. Yeah. I was just thinking about that today, actually creating a guide and outfitter Program. discount. Yeah. Cause I mean, pretty, every, pretty much every company yeah. has it and being a guide, I, I really appreciate it because <laughs> yeah. I'm and, buying crap all the time. And hey, here's the inside scoop is all I'm going to say is something big's coming. There's a, there's a, there is a acquisition or a transition that's going to be made and you'll want to stick around for this because it's going it, to, it'll be a cool addition to the backpack logistics brand. So, um, Jason, why don't you, why don't we close with, a uh, couple scouting tips. It's like scouting season. <clears throat> if you're not prepared, you think about yours. Cause I have one or two ideas written down here and then we'll just wrap up with like couple scouting tips, whether it's, you know, I think this would, we could probably make it apply. You can make it apply to whatever you want. Deer, elk, antelope. I don't care. So, um, well, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is, um, just the other day. So I'm, I'm scouting for an elk hunt. And I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't even hunted this unit. Like I've hunted the unit, but I haven't hunted this part of the unit. Um, so, you know, going into it blind and, um, I know of the potential there. Um, so, you know, I, I know what I'm getting myself into, but I've never hunted the area. So, it's an elk hunt and you know, the unit's pretty, it's pretty dry for the most part. So I went out there, uh, when was it Monday? And we just kind of were driving around and I, so honestly, the best thing that I did was I spent just a couple days, um, at work, <laughs> um, just sitting on Google earth and I was just panning around covering the entire unit just like it's not like a giant unit but i was just scanning every single part of the unit that i could and i was looking for um any water you know any any of the burns anything 
Um, and I just market, market. And so then I got it all on Onyx. I went out there and I basically just jumped around to all these little points that I had marked and just kind of checked things out. Visually inspecting it. Yeah. And I, I put cameras up, um, you know, on some of the water and just kind of got a feel for the whole unit. Um, and you know, there was elk sign pretty much everywhere, but not a ton until finally I got to this area where it, you know, online, it looked like it was probably going to be one of the better areas. And I get there and dude, it's just like, you just know it's going to be one of the best parts of the unit. There's just like elk rubs, elk rubs just everywhere. Like this one, area just had rubs like on every other cedar tree is just this a, everywhere is this a bow hunt yeah it's okay. a september bow hunt perfect yeah so you know kind of just kept cruising through this area there's kind of a newer burn in there um go to this other water that i found and get in there and there's just freaking elk tracks everywhere i'm sure they're mostly cow but you know that's where the bulls are Even gonna show better. up yeah 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 that so, you just hit like the quadfecta right like burns water wallows cows rubs like yeah i mean I, if you're dude, scouting for an I early even, season elk hunt like yeah and i i don't even know um you know the quality that i'm gonna find in there yet until i actually do some glass and you know see what the cameras turn up but I could, I could, I know I could show up there like middle of September and just show up in this area. And I know there's going to be elk. <laughs> yeah. And that's the advantage of, you know, a premium tag in Nevada compared <laughs> to, you know, whatever over the counter in Colorado or Wyoming. But the principles, you know, still the same. You're just going to have to work harder for it in a place like Wyoming, right? You, you go out, you find water, then you find, oh, okay, this place you know, this little canyon next to water has a bunch of rubs in it, uh, you know, and scrapes on trees. And this one doesn't, right? Or, oh, we saw, you know, we we kicked up 17 different cows in this, you know, canyon. And then we went over here and didn't see any or whatever. And you start, you know, it's just going to take you a lot more work in these over-the-counter general type areas. But the principle is still the same. You know, you're looking for the same things. Yeah. Um I was talking to another buddy on his podcast about like, you know, what it takes to kill big things. And it's just time. Like the, I listened to all these podcasts about, you know, all these guys that have killed big bucks and the guys that consistently kill them or, um, they, they just put in like a stupid amount of time. And that like, if you don't have the time to put in, I hate to break it to you, but you're probably not like going to kill anything big. If you do, it's going to be luck, you know? Yeah. It'll be a, it'll be a one, you know, like it'll be a once in a lifetime deal or whatever. Especially, especially these days with how competitive hunting is and, you know, seems like big bucks are pretty few and far between. Like you listen to all these stories and I'm, I'm talking like, I mean, these guys will put in like two weeks, you know? Um, it's like a buck we killed last year in Nevada. Um, Travis, the kid I guide with, they, um, they were out there with the client and I think they were out there for, they were on this buck for like 14 days 
and I think they saw him like three times maybe. Could never get it done. So poor client, you know, spends all this time and money and he, he ends up going home. And then we have another client that's coming. And so we show up and go right back to the same spot. And that first morning, like we find the buck <laughs> and, you know, end up, we didn't kill him that day. We ended up killing him like three or four days later. But the point is like, we put like 20 days into this one big buck until we finally killed him. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like, I, I don't, there's nothing, there's no secrets really to how to, find big animals and kill them it's just it's just time dude yeah like, that's all that's all that's all it is nope oh, we lost him <laughs> let's see if we can get him back on <laughs> hey you've reached jason <laughs> maybe he's trying to call me i don't know try one more time hey you've reached jason <laughs> yeah well he'll either call back and we'll get the rest of what he was saying or not but yeah it's so true man and it's you know it's it's one reason another it's it's the biggest reason that you know hunting close to home or hunting units type of hunts that you can hunt consistently year after year becomes so important because if you don't, if you aren't a guy that can spend 20, 30 days, most guys can't even handle that, right? If you put most guys, if you gave most guys the opportunity to hunt for 20 straight days chasing a deer that they couldn't find, they couldn't do it anyway, even if, you know, you paid their vacation or whatever. But even if you, you know, if you're, and so if, even if you don't have the time though, like, oh, he tried calling back. Let's see if I can get him now. Even if you don't have the time. Hey. Sorry, my phone, it's been charging, but it was at like 1% <laughs> when I called well, and it finally, it <clears throat> isn't charging very fast apparently. I was, uh, I was just coming around with what you said and saying, you know, it, like it, it, it brings up the importance of hunting these tags and areas that you can get more consistently and often, right? Because you know, the next point that I made is I said, oh, he gone. Well, whatever. We're not too worried about it. So anyway, because, you know, if, if you don't have the 20, 30 days and, and or you can't and you can't do that, he's going to keep trying. Let's get him. Hey. Sorry. Go ahead and plug that thing in. It is. It, it was plugged in the whole time. It died. <laughs> it died while we are That's how. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's, it's fine, man. Anyway, it, uh, it gets to the point where, you know, you have to rely on multiple years, right. And all these different, you know, if you have a general tag or somewhere you can hunt often, right. Like where if you can't hunt a deer for 30 straight days, then you have to keep hunting a unit year after year after year, you know, and then try to pick up a big buck that way. But no, I, I had similar you know, kind of, I mean, mine was deer related. My scouting tips was, you know, just don't be worried about finding deer. You know, if you're going to go out 4th of July or whatever to find a good deer hunting spot or check on some old spots or whatever, you know, you may or may not see bucks, but you're almost, you know, unless it's an area that you've already been to, if it's a new area, 
you need to be picturing like what is this going to be like in September is a or October or whenever like is a big buck going to find seclusion here is this where is this where a big buck is going to start the summer and then get pushed somewhere else or is this where the big buck is going to trickle to when he gets pushed from the place that he's going to start right like in other words if you I've gone up on scouting trips around 4th of July like this coming weekend and if you if you go up and bump a deer 200 yards off of a main trail spoiler alert that deer ain't going to be there come you know September 30th or whatever right when you get to go back in and hunt him even though he might be in his you know in his summer pattern still he's not going to be you know laying out in the open where you where you saw him 4th of July weekend scouting so you know think like a deer and think like a deer that's being pressured by hunters if you're out scouting this time of year and think okay where I need to go find you know and it's not just finding it but it's finding the route finding you know where there could be potential water like you know some of these places where we find you know decent sized backcountry bucks like it's because it's like almost impossible to get in there or to find a route to get around there without making a bunch of noise or whatever right so that's really what you're scouting for is the seclusion, the remoteness, the secondary, you know, escape little back basin, right? Jason, like, like were those two Wyoming bucks that we killed, remember? Like, you know, you wouldn't, if you were scouting that area, you would start on the big peaks and the big mountains and stuff, right? But that little side basin is where you would have needed to look and, and put eyes on that. in Ju- if you were in there in July and been like, okay, like this is a little tiny side secluded basin from the main peaks and the main canyons and the main basin. And this, this is a little serenity for a buck that's getting chased, you know, 14 different ways every week um, that he could spill into and find some, some safety or whatever. Right. So that's, yeah. what I, that's what I thought, man, because that's that's like the biggest thing that I've been looking for the last few years in the high country specifically is just, you know, again, not looking for deer, not even looking, you know, for where deer might be right now, but like looking for, you know, putting eyes on the places where big bucks may end up being. Yeah. So. Well, like those Wyoming bucks, the, um, the only reason I even found that basin we were hunting just the big main basin and I went down to stalk a different buck and guess what? He got blown out by a different hunter because there was hunters all over the place. So while I was down there, I just kind of was like, Oh, it looks like there's, yeah, there's just like a little couple of little draw fingers coming off here. And I just kind of peeked in there, you know, found him and And a couple other bucks. And in person until you see the deer in there, in person and especially on Google earth. Um, I've talked about this before. I call it reverse scouting. Um, until you see it in person on digital e scouting, um, it looks too small. It looks, it does not look big enough where a buck would stay or hang out or feel like he had, but, but it was a thousand yards across and at least Mm -hmm. a thousand yards, you know, square or whatever. And that's all, that's all, that's all he needs. He doesn't need any yeah, more than he, that. He didn't move. I mean, I I almost killed him in the first couple of days of the bow hunt, first part of September. 
He was there, and what, then, three, four weeks later? Yeah, and then we came back and killed him, what, the 20-something? Three weeks at least. Yeah, and he, he, I mean, he was literally, like, 100 yards from where I last saw him. Yeah, yeah, and like, <laughs> like you said, off off the main basin, but, but if you, again, if you're looking on the map, everyone's going to gravitate towards, oh, here's where I want to be, you know, hunting, because, man, look at all this country that I can see. And there's some truth to that if you're hunting for country, but you're not. You're hunting for big deer, right? Well, and I, you know, who knows, but I bet that, that buck... I bet, you know, in August he was, he was out up in the, in the, in the big main basin. hundred percent. Right. That's the point. And, yeah. And got bumped around probably. And then he's like, all right, you know, here we are again. Yeah. Same time. I'm going to go into my little finger and hide. Cause no one ever bothers me in here. Yep. Uh, that buck that Sam killed last year down here, same exact deal, right? Like it was such a tight little spot back there. I wasn't with him. I went the other way hunting, but it sounded like, you know, it was such a tight little spot that he was in that he had to walk on him at a hundred yards and, and just accidentally saw him in the trees. Right. But like, that's the type of seclusion that those bucks are looking for little micro basins, I would call them. Right. But, but the reverse scouting is when you go there in July and you see it in person. Okay. And you, and you, you convince yourself, okay, this actually is big enough, right? You, you, your eyes see it. And so you finally believe it and you, you say, okay, this is actually big enough to hold one or two big bucks come September when everyone pushes them around. Now you need to go home. Don't end there. You need to go home and pull up Google Earth when you get home, right? Mark your waypoint and then pull up Google Earth or Onyx, whatever, and relook at that. <laughs> relook at how just how small that little basin looks on e-scouting. So now you can reverse engineer, okay. Now I know what other little pockets would look like like that, and you stop you stop passing them over, you stop overlooking them. So yeah, it's like just like bass fishing. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no. no, it's I I was listening to a podcast, a guy that uh, <clears throat> bass fishes. Uh, he's like a professional, and he's like, I started elk hunting too, and he's like, dude, it's like the same. <laughs> it well, the point I'm trying to make is like you. Uh, bass fishing you you kind of find a pattern that they're doing and yeah. generally they're kind of doing that all around the lakes and so you, you fish the one spot that you know is productive and then you don't even screw around with the other areas you just keep bouncing around to the productive spots yeah so there you go <laughs> i got you just it had to get it in i gosh i, I freaking love bass fishing <laughs> Hey, <laughs> tell the people right now and, and be honest, like I, I haven't bass fished in a decade probably. And your brother went with you <laughs> over the little family vacation. We went out and I held my freaking own. Yeah, you did good. Okay. That's all I needed you to say. Deer Creek. Caught just as many tiny little three quarter pound bass as you did. Yeah. Uh, that was I, yeah, I was talking to someone after he knew where we were fishing, and he said there there's some big largemouth in there, but they're pretty few and far between. And yeah, well, we uh, were crushing the little guys, so I felt good about myself. Yeah, <laughs> see, I'm the problem fishing, right? <laughs> I'm the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the guy shooting a two and a half year old fish. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh gosh, I need to go to bed, dude. If I, I probably won't go to bed. I might as well start fletching arrows or something tonight because it's gonna be a long time. But anyway, okay. Uh, I I ordered my new arrows. I got the Axis four millimeter match mm. grade. Dude, there's nothing better. Like those four mil long range. I like running that iron will collar set up with the, you know, the, the only crux is the deep six, but I don't care because they make severs in deep six. So, um, yeah. And like, um, you, sh- you put me on to the, the, Oh, uh, you're running ethics, the ethics, ethics archery. Yeah. Um, we'll see. The only concern I have with those that half insert outsert system is they're not connected. And so I'm always just a little worried that like the sleeve is going to pop off or, but. Well, yeah, I mean, there is no such thing as a good in half in half outsert system, right? They're all there. It's just is what it is. I mean, well, I will. They're okay. But the, um, that one from day six, I think it's called the centric system. Mm. The difference is on the insert on the end of it there's threads and yeah. then on the inside of the outsert there's threads so you thread them on together so it's, yeah, they're yeah, basically yeah. they you know you you screw them onto each other yeah but it's still an insert outsert and so you know if one comes out they're both coming out yeah. so i i never lost i i love those day six arrows they're just i'm gonna try something a little lighter they're just so heavy We'll see if these axes don't work out. I'll go right back to the day six because I, I really don't have any have any complaints about them other than being crazy heavy, which I just wanted to go a little lighter. Yeah. Well, if you shot a man a man poundage eighty pound bow like a man should, then it wouldn't matter. <laughs> but I I know I was shooting um yeah only seventy pounds and I was shooting um those two inch severs. So penetration's not really, you know, going to do as much as other broadheads, but I killed four bucks in the last, I don't know how many years with the severs, the two inch. And I didn't get a single pass through. And one of them was, I mean, they were all broadside, but one of them was broadside at 20 yards. And I didn't hit him in the shoulder or anything. I mean, it was dead nuts, just right in the center of his ribs. And I mean, it was an Arizona over the counter buck. And those things are tiny. Like he was a, he was a nice four point, like 24 inch four point, but he, um, I mean, he couldn't have weighed more than like 130 pounds. I don't really. know. Dude, they're, they're, they're tiny. Little des- and, desert deer. Yeah. There's, there's tiny, tiny, even the, so I killed that buck in December, the first week of the December hunt, 20 yards broadside, didn't get a pass through. Um, and then a couple weeks later, went back in January and the next, the buck I killed in January, I mean, he was dude on the hoof. He looks like he was like 40 inches because they're just, their, their bodies are tiny, even even when I walked up on him, I was like, dang, dude, these things are tiny. But he, I measured him, he had 30 inch spread. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, you know, you kill a 30 inch buck in Utah or wherever else. Yeah. And they're going to, they're going to have a big old body. But I don't know. Those, that, that buck, 
I think he was about 45 yards broadside. I didn't get a pass thrown him. Well, yeah, those two inchers, man. Like, I, I mean, it obviously killed him and was devastating. But I wouldn't. You got to be. You got to be yeah, packing I some know. serious momentum to push a two-inch sever through something, you know. So, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I probably shouldn't be as worried about it. But then uh, a couple weeks later, my brother-in-law he goes out and we find probably the the biggest buck that we've seen out there, just super deep fork. I mean, he's only like probably like a 175 buck, but for there, that's, that's, it's the biggest buck we've seen out of hundreds. He stalks in, gets to like 30 yards, bucks, you know, stands up broadside, shoots it, passes through. And he's got, uh, I think like the Montex or kind of maybe a little bit of a smaller broadhead fixed blade blows right through him buck runs off and i can see blood coming out i was like oh he's gonna go down you know he just keeps going and going and finally i look and see that um the blood's kind of in no man's land like below his back strap but like top of the rib cage and i'm just like oh boy like probably didn't hit anything and you know we watched that buck the rest of the evening kind of chase him around he never bedded down just kept walking he'd start feeding <laughs> <laughs> and we we even got pictures of him on the camera um like in february a month later and he was still fine and we were me and my brother-in-law were talking he's like you know if i would have had a two-inch sever or expandable that probably would have killed him yeah um just because it's just got a bigger cutting radius on it yeah. so i guess pass-throughs and all that isn't the you know isn't the end-all be-all yeah but we'll see i'm gonna try out those axes on the i'm gonna shoot the inch and a half severs on that bull yeah arizona bull yeah. big big bull get a little more uh a little more a little more penetration probably with the one and a half yeah. So. Okay. We'll see. All right, man. Well, appreciate yeah. the impromptu chat. Yeah, I'm gonna go to work tomorrow. Mm. Nice. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Love all you guys. Stop killing for content. <laughs> hey, everybody! Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.